Without any further ado, everyone, please welcome to the stage Paul Giamatti and Professor Stephen Asma. Holy cow. Holy cow, what the hell is going on? Uh, indeed, this is really a lovely opportunity for the two of us. It is. It's been really great being here in Austin. I've eaten more grilled meat in the past two days than I've eaten in the last three years. And it's been a really, really special, lovely thing. And indeed, Stephen and I met online, and now we're here, and I'm theremin jamming in front of people in a way I never expected to. Um, but I'm going to call you professor from now on because I've never called you professor before. Um, but, yeah, we started talking about all kinds of things, uh, all kinds of esoteric, strange, occult subjects, weird subjects, because we had these uh, huge overlap of strange interests. And one of them is monsters, which covers a wide range of things. But Stephen is actually... He's a philosopher, which is very impressive, but he's actually an expert on monsters. Uh, and so we were going to talk about that today, and I'm going to let you dive in, Professor okay. of Monsterology. All right. Uh, thank you, Paul. Um, it is a pleasure to be here. Thank you to everybody. Um, and I think uh, we started out like talking about the imagination generally because there was so much overlap between what you do as an actor, and it, Paul's an excellent visual artist too, uh, I draw, and so we were talking about the imagination, and then we've been looking at sort of features of the imagination like monsters, and uh, we had this long-standing, both of us are sort of lifetime fans of monsters. What was the stuff that first got you interested in monsters? Like what really, I don't know if it was a kid or a teenager, what really fired your rockets about monsters? <laughs> <laughs> it was movies, I think, you know, all, it starts with movies. And it's interesting because it's not necessarily monsters were the first things. I can remember, I was about three, maybe four years old, and the first movie I remember seeing <laughs> is this movie, Carnival of Souls, which is this really fucked up, incredibly... Yeah, way too young. Yeah, no, I was Carnival like three, <laughs> and I was with a babysitter who was letting me watch this thing. <laughs> And she kept turning to me during this experience and going, are you okay? Are you scared? <laughs> and I kept going, no, no. <laughs> the other thing I remember is I, went I worked through an entire bag of Tootsie Pops during this. <laughs> so not only was I scared shitless, I was sick to my stomach that <laughs> night. But I do really vividly remember seeing this movie. It, it marked me deeply. And it's not necessarily monstrous. There is a kind of monster in it. It's a weird movie. A woman is sort of haunted by this spectral, yeah. weird guy. But the feeling of menace in the world. And I remember seeing that early the Twilight Zone, too, which is where Burgess Meredith is, you know, he's the last man on earth oh, with the books yeah. and his glasses Classic. break. And I think I had this moment of going, oh, right, okay, that's <laughs> what happens. Right. That's what can happen. And so there was a sense of, like, menace and the monstrous and stuff. Well, I, I wonder if you, like, I do think people are drawn to monsters partly because they might have had, like, you know, like a, a tough kind of experience in their life, and then the monster represents, like, the fears and the struggles. But then also, like, a lot of my students identify with the monsters. They're like, I'm an outsider, just like, you know, Frankenstein's monsters. Oh, that's true. Sure. Well, I definitely felt a kind of... I was definitely drawn to monsters that were a person turns into something, uh, too. That was almost more interesting to me than just... It was like the Wolfman. Oh, yeah. Or Dr. That. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was kind of more interesting to me, a person who becomes something else. But for sure, I mean, I, yeah. And then it was all those universal monster things. I started getting into that. And then it was, you know, kids are interested in dinosaurs, so Godzilla made sense. And I was interested <laughs> in gorillas 
is, which are kind of monstrous in a way. And so King Kong and all that kind of stuff. But I, I definitely wanted to be the monster a lot of the time. Why I identified with it, I don't fucking know. <laughs> That's strange. But I can remember literally wrapping myself head to toe in toilet paper a couple of times. <laughs> as and, the mummy? Yeah, as the mummy. <laughs> and just doing all kind of like thing around the house. And, but you play, a, you play guys that are like kind of monstrous within with a veneer of civilization like wrapped around. Right. Wouldn't you say? Yes, I do. And that's what's interesting to me is actually like that idea of something you've said about monsters. I mean, maybe getting a bit ahead of ourselves, though, is you characterized a monster as how did you define a monster? You defined it as uh, something you can't negotiate with is one definition. But the word monster comes from the Latin word. Here we go. Uh, here we go. Uh, monere, which means to warn. So traditionally, the monster was a warning, like, look out, there's been a you know, some monster's been born, you know, in the outlying regions, so the whole kingdom's going down or something like this, and so they were warnings. But it's like something you can't, it's unintelligible, you can't fight with it, you can't, you can't negotiate with it, it just remains this force that's going to just steamroll over you. Use your body to hatch out its young or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting. The thing you can't negotiate with, there's no, it's implacable. Like, yeah. it's not going to go away. It's not going to, it's going to be there and, and it will do whatever it's going to do. Yeah. And there's no getting around it. So that's why I think I find that whole idea of somebody who turns into one even more interesting because then the thing you cannot negotiate with is inside you. Oh, nice. So I yeah. think that's what I think is really sort of amazing about The that. internal monster is yeah. like what you're drawn to. And in characters, human beings have monsters within them. Right, You see yeah. that in the script and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. But it's like, that's a terrifying thing is the idea that there's something in you that you can't get away from. And that's why we were talking about serial killers. <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> and we like to talk about serial killers, but serial killers are definitely... That sort of thing. There's a monster inside. Yeah, they, they basically, like, if you look at that gothic stuff, like the Universal films, the monster's out there, and then the last part of the film is some kind of repudiation. You conquer the monster. But then in more modern monster stories, you're right. It's like it's within it. you. Yeah. And then how do you, you can't really distance yourself from how that you or get rid of yeah, it. Yeah, you can't negotiate with something like that. How did you get into it, though? And then the idea that you then made an actual discipline out of doing it yeah. is kind of amazing. <laughs> like, you know. Uh, the, the I think, like you, I saw some of these early universals. I liked the Wolfman a lot. Yeah, Wolfman's amazing, yeah. Uh, we were talking earlier that um, there's a lot, there's a huge difference between the kind of monster movies you would have seen when we were kids versus the fairly sadistic stuff that people see now way more disturbing, I think. Yeah. But I think there's, um, there's this story that Darwin tells where he, he was taking a, a, a snake down to the monkey house and he was running this experiment. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, why not? And he, so he knew that monkeys were afraid of snakes, so he put this live snake in a bag and then he put it in the monkey house. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so you can't do this now. <laughs> no, I guess a, you can't. There's ethical rules you can't do. <laughs> and so the monkeys would like, they'd, they'd look in and then they would freak out and run around. Yeah. But then each one of them would keep coming back and be like, you know, look and then run around and then keep. And I feel like that's that's our relationship with monsters is we're like drawn to them, but we're horrified. 
we pay money to see people, you know, carve each other up. And yeah, stuff. it's really weird. I don't yeah. understand. I never have understood. I mean, it's an eternal question to me why that why it so much turns some people on and doesn't turn other people on. I mean, like my kid, I tried to get my kid interested in this shit, and it was just like a terrible thing to do to the kid. I mean, I would like show him Godzilla, and he'd be like, "That's good. I'm good. I don't need to see any more of this. and stuff like that." You know, it was terrible. Was he scared of it, or he was like, "This is boring." No, no, he was scared of it. Oh, he was okay. definitely scared of it. And, and, and I kept thinking, didn't you get anything passed on from me genetically that <laughs> turns you on about this? But it didn't. I remember once showing him, and again, it wasn't monstrous, but it was a sort of like, it was <laughs> something terrifying. I remember, in, I think it was 2012 when the Mayan prophecy was oh, yes. that the world was going to end. And for some reason, I thought it would be a good idea to take him online and kind of educate him. <laughs> My, my an apocalyptic <laughs> theology. And I was like, isn't this cool? And he was like, me watching Carnival of Souls. He was like, uh-huh, yeah, sure. And he was sort of watching it. But, it was the, but I couldn't get him interested. And I remember that night. This is funny. I remember that night. I was asleep, and he, he was about eight. And he, and, he kinda, and he came and crawled into bed, and I thought, oh, he hasn't done this in years. That's really sweet. I wonder why he's crawling into bed with me. And he kind of goes, Dad. I go, yeah, what's up? He goes, that Mayan prophecy. <laughs> Is that for real? And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. And I go, no, no. I wanted to say, yeah, absolutely. Of course it is. Yeah, I totally wanted to be, but I said, no, 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 it's not real. And he goes, okay. Long silence. And then he goes, how can you be sure? <laughs> Which is funny because that's that's why we're doing this. Because how can you be, right. sure, yeah, be sure, Professor? That's yeah. what I've never been sure. And, and th this guy's so dark, like in, like his natural. This guy, yeah, me? this guy, you mean me is yeah. We're we were coming up the escalator here. You see, yeah. it's like this high escalator. He looks over the side. He's like, "What would happen to me if I fell off?" They got a lot. Of, I was right like, on. "People, they must have a lot of jumpers in yeah, this yeah. in this civic center here." <laughs> No, I do. I guess I do. And it is interesting. Why is that? What is the macabre thing? My mother had a... Oh, wow. Here we go. Here we go. My mother... All right. Uh-oh. Uh, here, here we, we go. go. My mother... Ah, professor. My mother had a very macabre sort of thing. And you wonder if it's like genetic nature or nurture. She did fucked up things, too. She gave, <laughs> she gave me Edgar Allan Poe. I couldn't read Edgar Allan Poe. I'm like six years old, man. So this but is she why. Gave me, it was a crazy <laughs> thing to do. But it had all of these uh, great illustrations by Arthur Rackham. By the way, these the wonderful yeah. cartoons you're seeing up there are by this wonderful man named Alex Sokol, who's yeah. here tonight, who is yeah. really brilliant animator. Um, just a beautiful stuff. Really, really lovely. And he's kind of giving the whole thing a tone that's really lovely. Yes. But back to my mother. She, <laughs> she was really, no, it was, it was demented. But she had, a, she had a kind of macabre thing. So I suppose I got a lot of it from her, too. But again, why, how did you, you got it from movies. Oh, yeah. But why did you then say to yourself, this is, this is philosophically interesting. Uh, yeah, I think because most philosophers don't study monsters. Like it's not. It's like Descartes, Kant, you know, Hegel, and I'm like, well, monsters. And <laughs> I think it's because they they like represent um, like human vulnerability. You know, like human. What are people? If you want to understand people, what are the things they're most afraid of? Will tell you a lot about how they how the mind works. That's interesting. Know? So I think that's what did it. That's a, that, here's a, here's a, here's a, that makes me think of something. Human vulnerability. That's interesting. I remember reading once, this is also how I f frequently talk when we do this. I'm like, one time I read a thing. I met a guy once. I sound like I'm just hanging out at the bus station. Like, I met this guy the other day down there. But um, 
I remember reading somebody talking about beauty. The concept of beauty is about the kind of uh, the, per- the perfect and uh. almost the normal and the like the kind of uniform yeah. and stuff like that. But the grotesque is the unique and that that's what's sort of a fascinating and off-putting about it at the same time. Yeah. But also, I guess that's a thing that you can feel sympathy for because you're like, you're the, you're the outsider. You're the thing that doesn't fit into the concept of perfection and that's stuff awesome. like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right? awesome, yeah. Yeah, because Which, you're right. Beauty is like order and harmony and the grotesque is like a radical kind of individual, yeah. basically. And and then and if you look at horror, there's all this like mixing and matching. Like you know, there's like like the out the inside of your body in a horror movie is sort of the outside of the monster. There's oozing goo yeah. and like viscera and stuff. Uh, yeah. So there's like always these mismatches. Like if you look at the monsters through history, it's going to be partly a cat and partly a man. Uh-huh. Partly a, you know these right. hybrid creatures. Right. Really That's fast. They're grotesque. Here's a question I have. That's a, this is just occurs to me now. Why are people not as interested in werewolves? I, I, why am I fine? Why are people? Why, this is actually the shit that keeps me up at night. It really is. Why are people so much more interested in vampires than werewolves? And at one time, <laughs> but it's true. This is actually what I spent a lot of time thinking about. Because I'm like, I want to play a werewolf. Why will nobody make a werewolf show? You heard it here, people. He wants to play a werewolf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'll never play a vampire. Can you imagine me playing a vampire? That would be pretty funny, actually, me playing a vampire. Um, but why why are people more attra- seemingly, or maybe maybe it's just cultural taste and things change, but people don't. And I, I'll answer my own question. <laughs> go, <laughs> go for it. And I feel like... I'll just walk off. I feel like... Yeah, see ya. See ya. I, I feel like... It's because it's too fantastical. It's somebody's changing into an animal, and that seems too unbelievable. We're too sophisticated. Maybe. Okay, I'm going to disagree with you on this because wow. there are there are <laughs> there are lots of fanciful like dragons and stuff people are into, and like Godzilla is very fanciful. But somebody doesn't change into Godzilla. Oh, I see what you mean. I see. Somebody doesn't change into um, like a dragon. Knight. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. somebody has to tr- to change into it. So I think it just seems too unbelievable. I think vampires too are like they're culturally they're debonair. They're like elite. They're like, you know, they're, they they wear nice clothes and, and you know they go to the you know they go to the right parties. <laughs> they look good. Yeah, they, they, yeah that's true. I actually know. think that is yeah. why. Yeah, it's like and it's all it's much more rooted in just eroticism. I think sex, so. Which is they're themselves. sexualized. Yeah. Yeah, they're sexualized. Whereas. I guess wolf men aren't. But there's a furry thing there. I guess that you they're can... not. Yeah, which is, but but there's definitely the aggression though element of it could be sort of sexualized, and that's why. Yeah, because it's, it's the id or the the libido that's coming out, like as yeah. you transform. Maybe it's too close to the bone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. people don't want to. <laughs> no, no, no. Bad pun, but yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> that's actually something that I also think is that maybe actually it's. It's actually creepier to people. It's a little bit more disturbing. It's that sense of we were saying that it's yeah. like, well, that could be me, I suppose. Yeah. I could lose my fucking mind <laughs> and like become that thing. If, if Just I'm wake there. up somewhere, you yeah. know, naked with blood on your mouth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that shit can happen, I'm telling you. No, it, it, yeah, for sure. Well, how about this? Like, um, related to the Wolfman is another one of our favorite heroes of the cryptozoology world, which is Sasquatch. Sure. A wild man, not a transformer, but still a wild man. Yeah. Why are we so intoxicated with that creature? 
Or is it just you and me that are like? <laughs> you know? It's definitely not just you and me. I mean, it's it's you know people are for sure super fascinated by it. Um, I, well, that wild man thing again. I think it's like it represents some sort of like you know fantasy of like and you know and a fantasy of a lost race or yeah. something like that. A fantasy of a lost species. That mystery of like is it something that we that still all of this stuff feels like there's this sense of like it's always just beyond us. It's something we can hope for. Yeah, that that exists. I mean UFOs and all this stuff. We were talking yesterday that like. Because somebody was saying, um, we were talking to you yesterday about why did UFOs change through time? Why is it a wheel of fire? Mm. And then it's a fucking, (laughs) you know, guy on a pedal-powered airship (laughs) in the 1890s. And now it's a fucking Tic Tac. Yeah, Like, why is it changing as we change? And And I was talking about completely knowing nothing about what I was talking about, by the way, <laughs> about Jung, who talked about... Uh, Carl Jung. Always be Carl, Carl Jung. <laughs> not, not Steve Jung. No, 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 Carl Jung. Um, about it always being something out there, us always being drawn to something pulling us onward. Yeah, you, uh, you're projecting like these uh, unknowns or mysteries um, into specific forms like the Tic Tac UFO or whatever, but there's some great UFO, UFOlogists like Jacques Vallée, who we've read, who says this goes all the way back through the Bible when these guys are seeing angels and demons right. and stuff. It's the same kind of crazy archetype, but it has a different kind of like, you know, shell or whatever. We can all, yeah, and it, I guess it has to be determined by what you would think it is. I suppose like somebody in the Bible wouldn't see a Tic Tac. Right, sky, right. Yeah, because they don't know what a Tic Tac is yet. Um, <laughs> Exactly. Or a saucer, you know, the, did the saucer just get famous in the 50s or whatever through those films? Right, why does that yeah. happen? No, but that sense of it always being some kind of yearning thing, because when I was a kid, my favorite one, that's interesting, my favorite monster was the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, really? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And for some reason, I was super fascinated by Scotland. I don't know why, and I still am. Uh, actually, here, this is, this, actually, uh, an astrologer recently told me, and yeah, see, Steve immediately looked go on. Yeah. An astrologer actually recently told me he does something called cartographic astrology, which is some <laughs> somehow it lays over a, a map of the Earth so that you have relationships to specific parts of of, of the Earth. Uh, so for some reason, I have a, a strong line in Scotland. Oh, and they, so they said that to you without knowing you very well, and it confirmed yes. something you felt. Oh, yes, it did. It so proof. Okay. There well, we I wouldn't go that far, but I, I would. It's compelling. Proof, proof, baby. And so, so I, 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 and that's a, I'm much more credulous than Steve is. He's definitely way more skeptical than I am. Um, what the fuck was I talking? About? Oh, yes, the Loch Ness monster. Um, so yeah, because I can remember the the. The incredible need I had for that thing to be real. The incredible yearning I had for that thing to, to manifest and to be able to see it. And in yeah. fact, my mother <laughs> took us on a trip to Scotland, my sister and I, and we went to Loch Ness. Really? Yeah. And I sat by the shores of Loch Ness with a camera. I must have been about nine. Wow. With a camera for hours. <laughs> Just waiting for the thing to come. That is and it, cool. And that sense of like, I still feel like I'm sitting there, Steve. With yeah. The camera. You know what I mean? Like, when's the magic going to happen? When's the monster? I, I totally get that because I love the Loch Ness monster. I'm afraid of sea creatures, and there is some, you know, monsters involves cryptozoology and the idea that there's stuff out there that 
that you know we haven't discovered yet. There's a lot of stuff in the ocean that we haven't really explored. Right. I mean, only recently have people seen an actual living giant squid. Exactly. Which is crazy because I yeah. guess every other time it was dead. Right. Right. And it was, and so it was just the remains of it. Or people would see it alive and at a distance, so it was. It became kind of legendary. But recently, now cameras yeah. and shit, you can see this. Yeah, they, I think they would find them in the guts of like sperm whales. And right. Like, what the hell is this? And then slowly <laughs> they were like, oh, okay. and then they yeah. saw them. But there's a. I know that like this is kind of an interesting story because Thomas Jefferson found these claws in a cave in in Virginia. Sure. And then he named it the giant claw, and he didn't know what it was. <laughs> And then he really went, that's all Jefferson could come yes, up with. That's the it. man who wrote the Declaration of Independence. Pretty, pretty lame. That's right. the best he it's could cool. do. That man became president, and that's the best he could do. I really am disappointed in Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> that is lame. Let it drag. Wow. <laughs> okay. Anyway, continue, so, Professor. So he, he sends he sends Lewis and Clark out, you know, right. west, and he's like, keep an eye out for the great claw, the giant yeah. claw. No. I read something recently that he believed they were going to find woolly mammoths yes, still yeah, alive. That yeah. he thought because they were finding the tusks and stuff like that. And that one of the things that he was doing, because he had some sort of dispute with a French scientist who said, dude, they're all dead. Yeah, Buffon. And he was like, oh, no, they're not. Yeah. I, I'm American. <laughs> they're, they're here. <laughs> I'm an American. They're goddamn alive. And they're here in America, pal. <laughs> so it was like, which is really funny it to think funny. that those guys, I mean, amazing to think those guys had that kind of interest anyway. Yeah, they're not like our today's politicians. No, These were, were like three-dimensional. Biden sending people out to find a woolly mammoth? That'd be amazing. That'd be kind of amazing, actually. I'd volunteer for that. Yeah, I would, too. Oh, completely. I'll totally do that. Um, yeah, but uh, all of those. Here's the question. I was going to—I said to you before I was going to pose you with a difficult question. Okay, shoot. I have this friend who's a uh, very uh, serious individual. He's a voting rights lawyer. And that's like what an adult does. And, <laughs> not us. Yeah, not me. That's not what, yeah. And, and he will frequently, when I start talking about these things, as I really am given to talk about them a lot. And now I'm going to have a forum to do it <laughs> yeah, for everybody. Chinwag. And, and, he, and he will always say to me, really, honest to God, why are you concerned about whether there's a Sasquatch? Why are you concerned about aliens? And like, there's real shit going on yeah. why are you wasting your time about premonitory dreams and whether or not mm. you know and and synchronicity and all these things it doesn't matter and i and i'm always like i never have any real response to that <laughs> you know i'm always want to just be like you know why pal because <laughs> there's too many voting rights lawyers in the world <laughs> there's a lot of you guys yeah, yeah, and there aren't a lot of us yeah. <laughs> and somebody needs to get to the bottom of the Sasquatch thing <laughs> Somebody needs to do you, something about it, yeah, pal. You guys aren't going to do it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're, you're all too busy doing your voting shit. But I'm going to find out. I'm going to get to the bottom of this shit. And that's really all I can come up with. But, but I know that there's – I know that you, being, <laughs> being, a, being a serious – a person who's serious about this will have a better response for me. You'd think. Um, that, that's a really good question, but I, I just feel like you should throw it back on him and be like, well – why is there art at all or creativity? What may, you That's know, if he's if he's just thinking like there's practical problems and we should all be pragmatists and solve all those problems first. That's not how civilization works. You find people who are struggling in the worst kind of poverty. They're creating things. They're making things. They're using their imagination. Those things are therapeutic. Yeah. Whether or not Sasquatch lives or not, 
like thinking about this stuff is very therapeutic for humans. It helps you investigate things, keeps your mind open. Interesting. You know? No, that's interesting because like you were saying, the first thing we ever talked about, you gave this sort of talk about the function of imagination and consciousness. <clears throat> and to me, it seems sort of like it's the most important function of yeah. consciousness. Otherwise, I don't know why the fuck we <laughs> why, why do we have this? Because <laughs> I'm like, why did it develop? Why are, we, why are we able to do all of this? It seems pointless. Not only seems pointless, it seems dangerous. Mm. It seems like we really use it just for dangerous shit. <laughs> but, but the imagination as a function, and it seemed like a positive thing. I think so. I mean, what, you're an actor, and yes, like, <laughs> and uh, so they say. And uh, yeah, so they say. Uh, not happy after more, this. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. I'm a theremin guy now. <laughs> um, that, but like, you know, kids are drawn to uh, like the imagination, like at a very early age, and I think that there's a sense in which like kids don't feel very powerful in the world. They don't have any sense of agency. Like everything's doing happening for them. Right. But like if you if you can think of like magic and the imagination, you feel like you have agency in the world. It's very attractive. That's interesting. You know what I mean? And so but it's interesting to think of these things as somehow creatively, imaginatively enriching in yeah. some way. To be like to think about the existence of the Sasquatch somehow <laughs> We can't even do it with a straight face. I can't really. <laughs> I know. But that it somehow, it somehow is mind-expanding in some well, way. Well, um, who's the great uh, primatologist? Jane Goodall says does it's she, possible. Oh, does she really? Yeah, she says it's possible there is such a thing. A you're population, I didn't know that. interbreeding primates. You, you didn't realize you were going to get all this Sasquatch stuff. <laughs> uh, but he, she thinks that it's not impossible that there could be uh, like a like a clan of primates that we've not discovered yet. Really? Yeah. I have no idea. I didn't know that. we got to get her on this show and grill her about that shit. That would be great, man. Yeah, no, that'd be really interesting. I had no idea. But I, it seems it seems implausible in some ways. Now, this raises another interesting question, which is, to what extent do you think it's related to the multiverse? <laughs> oh, yeah, that... <laughs> 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 There's a non-separate. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not a no, it's not. No, it's not. It's the next logical step. I mean, is there I mean because it's, it's certainly there's a there's a there's an argument for that. I mean, I guess there's an argument for that. I'm I'm not going to make it, but there is an argument for it that somehow it's toggling back and forth oh. between a world where they're right is, am i right yeah, yeah. about that or am i wrong about that with the multiverse there's well, i think there's three theories of the multiverse which we don't have time to get into oh yes we do <laughs> but i think the one you're talking about is like the it, we were talking about the mandela effect a little bit the other day That's right. yeah. where there, there might be multiverses sort of brushed up against each Are other people familiar with the with the mandela effect some people yes. sort of collective remembrance of something incorrectly yeah. Uh, most importantly, like the Monopoly guy actually had a monocle in his eye, but he didn't, in fact, have a monocle in his eye. Yeah. I mean, I guess it started out because everybody was convinced Nelson Mandela had died 10 years before. Yeah. Collective. Some people thought that, and that he died in prison when, of course, he came out of prison and was the president of South Africa. Yeah. Yeah, but why so. are people so confused about this stuff? And so the Mandela effect says, well, maybe there's two universes and we're shifting between from one to the other. And maybe you could say like Bigfoot and the paranormal is making these kind of switches or something. It seems like a sound argument for it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. It seems like the most sensible argument for it. But I think that physicists would say if there are multiverses, that you can't share information across them. That's what's right. You know okay. what I mean? Oh, interesting. Like, so, so you can't have one place where you're going like Bigfoot exists 
and and the that physics happens to exist in the other one, but nobody really cares. Well, they, over you, there? it could be true that Bigfoot exists in one and not in another, but we would never know what was going on in that other universe. We're forever closed off from the other universes, right? Because like the physics version of this is um, that if you in quantum mechanics, here we go. If you <laughs> in quantum mechanics, if you look when you look and observe, you actually change the reality. Of, uh, itself right so and every that's time what's, that's like heisenberg or whatever yeah right i'm sorry schrodinger's cat thank you very much yeah, very good got this lady a microphone <laughs> audience participation schrodinger's cat. oh schrodinger's cat is the like it's in the box i've poisoned it is it dead or alive right yeah and it's both yes until you open it and create the event by looking at it yes well what's heisenberg then okay yeah. <laughs> what's that what's the uncertainty thing because isn't the uncertainty thing that... Well, uncertainty is you can't tell... In a Newtonian world, you could tell both the position and the velocity of an, of an electron. Okay. But in the in this sort of quantum world, the Heisenberg thing is you can, you can only tell one of those and not the other. Uh -huh. So once you sort of know one, you know, you, you can't tell the other. And so this leaves uncertainty at the very foundation of reality. And that means that reality could be uncertain all the way up. Uh-huh. And so, in other words, like, but how does that relate to Sasquatch for crying out? Well, you're the guy that connected those two. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> but if so, if Sasquatch is like, if I, uh, how, but how would that relate? Uh, oh, actually, so you're saying in, a, in an alternate reality, we can only know the one because we're choosing the yeah. one every time. That's it. And, and so is every moment a choice from which one or just a multi an infinite number of possibilities goes off from okay i guess that's that everything everywhere all at once movie yes that's so right. hot right exactly. now that the kids love so much right <laughs> the now. kids but that is what that is right i mean it's just it's just endless i right? think that's right that's why it's hard for me to like uh get on board with this version of the multiverse because every time i turn my head or observe something i'm breaking the universe you know splitting everything into two possibilities um but i do think in popular culture we like this idea that there could be interdimensional beings which go between universes. Right. Like beings that can move between. That's why, like, Marvel has all these multiverses right. and stuff. Okay, that's what I'm yeah. saying with the Sasquatch. Oh, He's yeah, that's around. all you're saying. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. We didn't have to get into all this Heisenberg shit and stuff like that. I'm just saying, is there a possibility they move from other dimensions? In Hollywood, there is. <laughs> Fascinating. But I wonder, like... You know, do people have the same set of fears? Like, you were into the Loch Ness Monster, you were into Wolfman, but, like, are, peop are you afraid of spiders? Like, how many people are afraid of spiders, just out of curiosity? And how many people are afraid of deep water? Oh, interesting. And what about snakes? Or people afraid of deep water and snakes. Yeah, look at how, how many people have the same phobias. Yeah, and if that, you feel, is like an atavistic thing? Goes back I, it could to be like, evolved. That it's like we, we, we need to be afraid of these things? I think it makes sense. Like, if you're afraid of, like, uh, water or murky water, you would live another day <laughs> because all the crocodiles are, you know, yeah, waiting to so. rip your face off. You just go get a drink of water if you're living on, you know, where we evolved in Africa. Yeah. Then... You know, you need these, and spiders can kill can kill you with, uh, you know, poisonous spiders. So we could have natural fears like that, yeah. maybe. No, I'm definitely freaked out by bugs. I mean, I've told you, yeah, I was definitely, I'm less freaked out by bugs now. In fact, I take a certain pleasure in killing cockroaches in my apartment. <laughs> I'm actually very good at catching them. New York. Yes, yes, I'm from New York, by the way. Um, but that's interesting, and I always wonder why I'm so afraid of bugs, and I think it's because something that small seems like it shouldn't be alive. And by the same token, which is an odd thing to say, isn't it? 
It's like that, but it's really strange to me that something that small shouldn't be moving around. <laughs> it just scared me. Yeah, no, I see. I'm an actor. I'm a professional actor. It's as if I see. <laughs> just, I just convinced you. <laughs> incredible demonstration of my powers just now. Really incredible stuff. But by the same token, it's interesting. I saw a whale once. I went on a whale watch once, and we saw a whale, and that fucking freaked me out, <laughs> too. The because size? by the same time, it was, it was like, something that big shouldn't be alive. <laughs> I was like, something the size of a bus shouldn't be alive. Like, it was just really like, I actually have a friend. Eh, not really a friend, but I know a woman. <laughs> I met at the bus station. And she has a very weird phobia with things that are not proportional. Oh. Objects that shouldn't be. So you remember that they used to have those kind of big plastic Crayola crayon things? Oh, yeah. Scared the shit out of me. <laughs> she would just be like, oh, my God, why is that thing too big? <laughs> and by the same token, something that was supposed to be big is too small, like a tiny bicycle. She was like, ah, which I kind of get that a little bit more. By the way, here's, here's something else I want to talk about. Do you know that there's a disorder? I'm assuming it's a disorder called Lilliputianism. Have you heard about this? I, I'm, I'm assuming, I mean, Lilliputians are the small Correct. humans from, uh, from the... From Gulliver's the, Travels. Yes. It's, it's apparently a, you know, a, what would we call it? I suppose it's some sort of, it's a disorder. I don't know. But where people would see, again, this goes back to like seeing the things culturally determined. You, people see little people. You, 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 you're hallucinating, I suppose. Little people, but it's not just little people. It's little people in like curly-toed shoes with bells on them. Come on, really? Yeah, it's little people in like it's little like, fucking <laughs> leprechauns and shit. And it's like, which is really weird. That like, is weird. Why is it that? Yeah. Why is that what people see? And has well, that always been what people see, or is that because? Somehow, culturally, we're like, I'm supposed to see <laughs> right. a little guy with a green bowler on a fucking mushroom. <laughs> I think it's, it's like, the second explanation. Yeah. I mean, I do think uh, there, could, there could be an argument for little people of some kind, like little creatures, but you would... Wait a minute. You're saying there's a genuine argument. Well, I just, I just think, like, when I stay up too late, I see shit out of the corner of my eyes, too. I'm like, what was really? that? You know, yeah. But it, it's never like... That was pretty scary, the way you looked really quickly. But I think they're usually insects or something. So I'm, it could just be like a weird glitch in the perceptual system where people think they see something. Uh -huh. But why would they have fucking shoes like that's that and I stuff? Mean. It's you really know, weird little like jingly bells yeah, and stuff like that. That's really strange. Know. It's fascinating. Is this in Scotland where they drink a lot of scotch? Maybe. I'm, no, I don't know. I suppose it's widespread. I mean, it's just one of those weird. Well, there is the case where like people who do like uh, a hallucinogenic like a DMT. That would help. Yes. I suppose. Yeah. Well, they they see like common creatures like little. Um, what what could be like fairies almost, and it's very like common for people to report these. You mean when they're when they're tripping balls? Tripping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When they're tripping it's balls, it, yeah. they see little creatures. Yeah, but you mean they see? You just said common creatures, though. So they're seeing like no, it's common that they see oh, these same common, little weird creatures that come up to them and interact with them. I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Like little people and stuff. Yes. Like that. Well, I know it's a fairly. I think it's a somewhat common thing with um, alien abduction stuff too. Oh, yeah. I think that the people I knew a guy. Who um, <laughs> I know an actor who claimed to have been surrounded once in a sort of incident like that by oh, really? a crowd of sort of little pe <laughs> little people with pointy blue hats on, with like just they all had 
these pointy kind of gnome hats on. Was he high or no? Uh, it's an excellent question with this guy, <laughs> whether he was high or not. I, I don't know. I mean, he, he didn't indicate that he was high in any way. He indicated that this was just happening. You know, that, that this was kind of thing was these people. Are have you ever room. seen anything like that yourself? I have not. No, I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen any of these kinds of monsters. Ghosts. I have, I have had, I've never seen a ghost, but I have had ghostly encounters, oh. and most of it's been auditory. One of them was olfactory, if I may use that word. Can you ex- explain the olfactory one or the auditory one? I could, yes. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a lengthy story. Uh, I can try and truncate it and make it less lengthy. <laughs> um, but I did one time, I, was, I went to, uh, this is so weird, I went to Willa Cather's house. Not to visit her. She'd been dead for a long time. <laughs> great author. In Nebraska. Great author. I was interested, so I went down there. I ended, uh, we, I ended up being able to visit her house and stay in the bedroom that she slept in in really? this house that was supposedly very haunted. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, I woke up in the, because I was getting this incredibly strong smell of coffee. Have I told you this? You did mention some okay, version yeah, of this that I, before. That yeah, I got this overwhelming, stifling smell of fresh roasted coffee. And I woke up, it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and, I, and I, my girlfriend was dead asleep, and I woke up, and the nearest house was quite far away, and it was 3 o'clock in the morning. Nobody was making coffee, and I went back to sleep, and I woke up the next morning and said to my girlfriend, did you smell coffee last night? And she said, no. So I quickly Googled Willa Cather coffee like this, and nothing came up. And I was like, this is fucking, that's so weird because it's such an odd thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was not, it was so. It wasn't scary. No, it was, it was banal and odd. And so a woman came by to pick us up to take us on a tour of Red Cloud, Nebraska, which is this extraordinary little town that she's from. And um, so she said, we're going to, I'm going to take you over to the childhood home that she, she first lived in here. So we. We went over there, and I thought, i got to ask this woman about the coffee thing. And I thought, she's going to think I'm so out of my mind if I ask her this. So I kept saying to her, and I'm just saying, because I, I did not ask her. I kept thinking, I'm going to ask you something. I'll, I'll wait till you've showed us the house. I'll wait till you've showed us the house. And so she took us into this childhood home of hers. And it was remarkably cool because they'd left a lot of the sort of furniture from the period, kind of the 1890s or whatever it was when she was born, 1880s, 70s. And so it it had this real feeling of like a place that somebody was still inhabiting. And it wasn't set up like a museum. It was set up like a home. home. And and it had all the kind of fantastic Victorian furniture, all sort of very ornate and all these sort of the sort of flowers under the bell Uh, jar thing. It It was really cool. And I said, this is so cool. And is any of this their stuff? And she said, no, none of this. Nothing in here is theirs. And we went to the kitchen, which was really amazing. It had a big iron stove and had the back door that opened out into the yard. And you were just like, oh, this is so evocative. And I said, so none of this is their stuff. And she said, no, 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 except for that. And she pointed to the stove. And on the stove was this big square box with a crank handle on top. And she said, that was Willa Cather's coffee maker. Shit the fuck That was out. Willa Cather's wow. coffee grinder. Amazing. She loved coffee. And I freaked the fuck out. <laughs> I started screaming at this woman. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, you're kidding me. And the, th- the reason I find that so convincing is precisely the banality of it. Is the fact that it's like, why did I smell coffee? Yeah. You know it wasn't I mean? like Willa Cather appeared over the bed and was exactly. like, Paul, I, I want no, you, you know, nothing believe like me, that. I had to sleep in that house again that night, and I was shit scared. <laughs> I kept the light on. Did you on. smell it again, the coffee? I did not smell the coffee again. 
but it was <laughs> a, it, but but it's exactly that completely pointless thing to it that makes me believe it. Like there was a little crack in reality, and what slipped through was coffee for some reason. Yeah, that is weird. Like the uh, the kinds of things that make you want to believe in something, like maybe it's astrology or maybe it's like ghosts. Oftentimes, it's like a trivial, banal thing. But the coincidence is so weird. That you're like, how else could this happen except some... The coincidence thing is really yeah. weird. I, I knew a guy. I knew a guy out in Seattle. <laughs> the Greyhound station out in Seattle. Um, <laughs> you spend a lot of time. Yeah, a lot of time in a bus station. <laughs> um, who said to me one time, this is a very strange guy that I knew, who claimed to be friends with Aleister Crowley. Oh, great. Aleister Crowley was? Yeah, I, I believed him, actually. I mean, he's a very peculiar man. But he said to me... Um, just try this sometime and keep a coincidence notebook. Just carry a little pad with you. And every time anything strikes you as coincidental, write it down. And I was like, okay. And he said, it's going to freak you out. And I stopped doing it after about two days. Oh, really? It was that I was many like, strange? Freak the shit. Really? Me. Absolutely. Because it was, once you start noting it, it's nonstop almost. It's really, really peculiar. I was actually, because we've been talking for a few years now, ordinarily I didn't really think much of dreams. So I'd have a dream and I'd just be like, get up and go, okay, what's for breakfast, you know? Uh, but he was, I was talking about his dreams and I was like, I had this dream about a book that I had written. And then I was like, you know, I bet Paul thinks I should like hold on to this or like maybe write it down or something. And I did. And that it seems to be generating some new thinking and some new ideas. To actually, yeah. yeah. Like well, no, dreams are super powerful yeah. in that way, for sure. And to write them down is really, that becomes fascinating because you start to see crazy patterns in your dreams. And it's like, I mean, very, very peculiar and super, super powerful and super creative. And, and premonitory. I believe in premonitory dreams entirely. Stuff that you think actually can tell the future a little bit. Absolutely. But is that trivial stuff or is that like somebody's going to get, you know? I, 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 I certainly had a dream about somebody passing away. Really? And then, in fact, they did. Now, I mean, you know, it was – I had a dream that was a year to the day before somebody died. And I had a dream about them dying and in a year. But and then in the meantime, I had other dreams about them. Now, it could have been completely – coincidental i suppose and that's the thing you know at the end of the day maybe it was maybe i was just sort of like anxious about this person mm -hmm. and this person represented some kind of anxiety yeah. for me so that's why i was having it but for sure i had them but he did have them yeah and when the, and when the person died i was like fucking hell that happened well the scots think that there's a kind of second sense that some people have and that they oftentimes come as a vision about someone in the family that might die or someone you know that might die. And it, it was a pagan idea. But then when Christianity came in, they just sort of said, well, these saints and, you know, the, the priests and whatever, they also have the second sense, but it's from the Christian side. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Oh, so now it's they, just applied. Yeah, they to kept like, it in the picture. It, like I yeah. can see angels and stuff like yeah, that too? Like, yes. And I can sort of see... They Christianized oh, it. Basically. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So like all the kind of visions of the Virgin Mary could be... Could have been a Christianized vision of, like, something other yeah. than that. Right. I mean, pagans would have been seeing all this stuff and having these visions sure. and stuff. But then when Christianity comes in, it basically, like, folds all that under its umbrella and says, and, you know. And it colors your perception yeah. of what you're saying. Right. That's bananas. <laughs> <laughs> that is truly bananas. Um, I don't know. Are we meant to take questions at some point? We are going to take questions. So, but, yeah. So I, I guess maybe we will. Or is it... We're, is there more? But uh, we're going oh, to give some T-shirts away, too, actually. Oh, my goodness. The questions are on the screen. 
Wow, this is. Cool. I thought you guys were going to ask questions. I, know, I thought we were going to be like a PTA meeting. People were going to come up here and like berate us over there. It's going to be like a chamber of commerce thing. Yeah, you guys are in one of the first podcasts that uh, is going to air. We had what are you getting out? What are you doing? What are you, I'm just uh, getting you, some snacks. Lunch? What the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah, like a oh, yeah, we should have had a T-shirt <laughs> gun. Are we really going to throw these at people yeah, here, now? Yeah, throw a few of these out. Oh, really? I'm going to throw these out there yes. now. Oh, <laughs> we really should get a T-shirt gun next time. We can really, oh, okay. I'm going to do some of this, too. Wow, this is exciting. People in the back are like, come on, man, you got a weak arm. <laughs> Work out a little bit, guys. Okay, so I guess we just sort of look at these questions here, huh? Okay, Christopher Crockett. Should I say who's asking these questions? Unless it's some rude kind embarrass of... the person who's asking this question? If you could choose the monster that's going to murder you, <laughs> which one would you go for? And why? That's a great question. That's an excellent question, Steve. Professor, take it away. I would like to have an alien uh, hatchet young inside. Holy me shit! Really? Explode out of my. Why? <laughs> it just seems rad to me. That seems I... like the worst possible fucking thing to happen. Okay, how about the chupacabra then? A slow. Ah, uh, I wanted to talk about the okay. fucking chupacabra, and I forgot to. There's still time. <laughs> I suppose there is. Is that like kind of like invented? Is that like? Is it got folklore? Sorry, Christopher Crockett. I'll answer your question in a second. Well, they they would find all these animals that these goats that were drained of their blood, and that appears to be real, but then the chupacabra was kind of a proposed explanation for it. And was it that thing that had existed for a long time? Was it? A I think it's relatively new, like the yeah. 90s. Like, they kind of made it yeah. up a little bit. And there's like four different versions of it that at the, at the beginning, and now yeah. it's consolidated. I don't know what I think about that. But, but it's like the New Jersey Devil. You know the New yeah. Jersey Devil? Which is kind of like, New Jersey needed something. <laughs> so they were like, you know what? I'm only realizing now the hockey team's a new... There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's why. They were like, oh, now we got a name for the hockey team. <laughs> but that, that's supposedly like somebody gave birth to like, oh, something, and it ran out in the yes. woods, and it's still out there. <laughs> sea caucus. Oh, my God. Um, sorry, some people from New Jersey here. Uh, I, would, uh, I would want a vampire to just... Mm, just suck me. Suck my blood. <laughs> okay, let's move on. This is an anonymous question. Well, let's stay with that. No, no, no. That's, uh, I, think we're, I, think we got, that. I think we got the idea behind that pretty clear. I'm going to hit the theremin again in a minute. If you, whoo. All right, this is from an anonymous source. Mm. Can artificial intelligence or technology more broadly be considered? Oh, this is good. A monster. Yeah. And if yes, why? Interesting. Professor? Um, I think it is a kind of monster, according to the definition that was given earlier, that it's something you can't um, fight against. Negotiate like, with. It can become so strong and, and powerful, wow. even if it's trying to do some trivial thing, uh, that you can't uh, unplug it or wow. you can't reason with it because sure. there's no, nobody home in, in a. That's interesting. How, like Hal or something like that. Hal, Hal yeah. in the 2001. I, 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 I talked to a guy once. <laughs> I had a buzz. Now this is actually this is an actually an academic, um, and he <laughs> he was I've told you about this guy who's a paleoanthropologist who got very interested in artificial intelligence who 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 said to me that whatever it is, 
is going to be something we don't recognize. Uh. That it's going to develop into a species that we, right now, it could be something that we are not recognizing. So that seems monstrous to me. So, yeah, I do think it could be monstrous. Yeah, it could be that, uh, you know, our phones start communicating with each other and building up some consciousness. Dude, they already do. What do you mean? Yeah, right. could start communicating with each other. They already do. Oh, you you do this question. Uh, Okay, this is Andrea Saccaro. Uh, what do you think of the Pentagon saying there's a possibility of an alien mothership being in our solar system? I, I didn't. Oh, have yeah. they said that? But has the Pentagon said that, Andrea? I hadn't read that. That there's okay. I buy it. I'm it all for it. It was super speculative, but yes. What, yeah. You uh, take? Have you heard that? I, I heard that? something. Who the fuck in the Pentagon <laughs> just said that? <laughs> somebody just said that. <laughs> By the way, wow. Who's really? at a bus stop? Somebody <laughs> yeah, at a bus station. <laughs> exactly. The guy. Oh yeah, that guy from the Pentagon. That's right. <laughs> okay, I know that guy. Oh, yeah, now he says anything that comes into his fucking head. Rick Jansen? Maybe vampires are interesting, okay, because of their immortality and its influence on mortals or moral? Uh, oh, on, on morality. Morals, yeah. Nor morality because of lack of judgment, of end judgment. Interesting. Oh, so there's no sense I'm going to die. Yeah. And get so punished. I can do whatever the hell I want. Yeah. Oh, that's actually, I'd never thought of that. That's a really interesting It is interesting. Thing. Like, you, you could, you would avoid morality then because no one's ever going to catch you and you don't have to pay for your sins. But then if you look at a lot of vampire books like that Anne Rice stuff. Sure. People yeah, get that bored. That Anne Rice stuff. That Anne Rice stuff. <laughs> the vampire gets bored with living forever. And then it's, you know what I mean? Like, they... Yeah. There's just this malaise, this... And so the boredom probably leads to even more of just this kind of, like, dissipated... Yeah. Like, oh, wow. That's, a, that's cool. I'd never thought of that. That I, I think that's actually a really good reason why they're more interesting. Because werewolves can die. You shoot them with a silver bullet, they're dead. Just in case anybody... Well, how, yeah, how do you kill a vampires again? Stake through the heart, right? Is that the only heart, way? You... I bur- Sunlight will kill them? Sunlight, yeah, sunlight, thank you. Sunlight, stake thank through you. the heart. I mean, I think when they used to actually kill people who they thought were vampires, uh, you know, I guess it's mostly in Eastern European, probably every tradition. Here in the here in the New England, too, too it happened. There this isn't this is Texas, but yeah, I, yeah, well, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we're in not New in New England. England? What? I don't even want to think <laughs> about what we? they do in Texas. <laughs> but but um, no, but probably yes. But they cut their heads off too. I think just to yeah. make damn sure yes. that the thing wasn't going to come back. Uh, Kaylee Zinger, how do you see the idea of the monster changing in future storytelling? Interesting. Maybe it will be more like AI. AI and like genetic. um, We're seeing this now, like genetic manipulation, creating mutants and stuff that you can't predict what they're going to do. Yeah. And maybe sort of virtual reality things. Virtual reality. Like sort of manifesting in other realms like that. More Matrix type stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think the Frankenstein story that Mary Shelley wrote gives us this template for even like the high tech versions too, that you're going to create something that then comes back to bite you in the ass. That's basically a common Uh monster theme. Uh Uh-huh. Interesting. All right. You you take this next one. Uh, Let's see. Have you ever had sleep paralysis in the hallucinogenic demonic state? Good question. I I definitely have. Yes. I'm having it right now. (laughs) Um, it's a very weird thing, and it's a very significant thing. And actually, I meant to talk about sleep paralysis before, which I, it was not happening when I smelled the coffee thing oh. because I, I, I woke up. But I, I definitely have had it happen to me, and it's really alarming. It's quite terrifying. Um, you can't move. 
uh, but you're awake. Yeah. And you can see what's in front of you. You can see the room. And, and you are in the place you're in. But it's a, this is another really weird thing is that it's like people experience the same things when they have this. They sense that there's something in the room with them. Mm. And it's generally female, oh. it's, which is really strange. There's a great book called, I think it's called something like The Hag That Comes in the Night. Oh, or something, I don't know. Where a guy studied this. And it's, I think it's the origin of the succubus. Oh, yeah, the incubus myth, and the succubus. Which is the female thing is the succubus, right? Yeah. That sort of lies on your chest. You yep. can't breathe. You can't move. And it's female. And I've definitely had that experience. And both times I've had it, too. I mean, I've told you this, that I've literally felt like something got in the bed with me. Oh, really? Like I can feel like the bed going down. Wow. I can feel like the and weight. you can't move? Like you can feel you something? You can't move. Oh. No. And you can feel the weight of something getting in the bed with you. Jeez. I'm not lying. I'm, <laughs> I'm absolutely serious. It's really fucking Well, boring. that is a, uh, in the medieval period, they thought that that was the succubus getting in and then stealing your seed ah. and then bringing that to another person oh. and, um, or to another female. Really? And by doing this, it would weaken the offspring, their spiritual strength, and that's how the devil would get in was through them as witches. That was a very common belief that's about the extremely complicated. Yeah. That's really like... Yeah. That's a really complicated yeah. explanation. For, wait a minute. So the idea was it was like you're weakening my line. My... Yeah. Yep. You're weakening. The, so it was the... an explanation for like my kid just. <laughs> my kid is no good at math. <laughs> Clearly a succubus just like out in the house. What was the, what was the point of that? <laughs> my kid well, is very it, good at math, actually. It, it ties it all together, man. Like if you're, if, if you're, people do feel like there's some presence in the room and they're sort of thinking it might be the devil or, or some kind of demon. Oh, okay. Right. And then you've got the connection and the worries about witchcraft. Generally, that was a way I think they tied it all together. Brilliant. <laughs> Very brilliant. <laughs> Katrine Mortensen. This is for you, Steve. Uh, Steven, to what degree is the attraction of monsters and the supernatural a question of escapism? That's the Can yeah. turning away from the pragmatic reality provide relief? Yeah, good question. That's kind of related a bit to my voting rights, guys. Like, yeah. It's just escapism. I mean, but it's a peculiar kind of escapism because wouldn't you want to, like, escape through pleasant experiences? <laughs> and fear is, like, an uncomfortable thing. And so you, you do engage in it, but it's a strange attraction-repulsion dynamic. That's the weird thing about all that stuff. Yeah. Why am I turned on by watching horror movies? Right. It's different from fantasy, which is just kind of fun imaginative stuff. You mean fantasy like the genre. Elves and shit like that? Uh Right. That that's a really that's a better one to escape into because it's less (laughs) menacing. I suppose it seems like friendlier stuff's not trying to I mean there's giants and ogres and shit, but like for the (laughs) most part you don't have the really scary Giants and Ogres and shit should be the title of your next book. Um, <laughs> you can dedicate it to me. <laughs> Thank you, Paul Giamatti, for all you've done for humanity. Um, Nicole Barlow from Yucca Man in the Mojave Desert to Yeti in Tibet. Lots of cultures have their version of a hairy humanoid. Why do you think that is? Yeah. And all these cultures have all, I mean, like we were just saying, too, they all have a vampire thing, yeah. too, or whatever, all these things. What is the hairy, well, why, why the hairy guy? Why is the hairy thing? I think we were talking about it earlier, like the wild man is like a, is an archetype, like where you can basically take off all your clothes, uh, let your beard grow, live okay. according to nature, and yeah. not have the constraints of society and civilization. 
There's a hilarious line in, in early Mormon writing. There's Holy a, cow. <laughs> yeah. Where we're going now. There we go. And they, they, this guy says a hairy man comes and walks next to him, and he th- he says it's Cain from the Bible. Oh, his brother. But right. people say he saw Bigfoot. That was Sasquatch. This is the, this is Joseph Smith, the founder of or this is what he was a thing? minor. This is a lower character. Lower the, guy, yeah, 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 guy lower yeah. down. Yeah. Right, exactly. He's not in charge He's, of anything. No. We're making sure that guy doesn't run anything. <laughs> that's, right. um, that's interesting. No, I, I, that 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 all makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and it sounds like a it, it's a nice, interesting fantasy. It, it, it makes sense. Annie Stapleton, I should take that one. Uh, okay, what are uh, your thoughts on Mothman? Oh, great. And the possibility that he's a cross between a cryptid and an alien. And those are two different things, aren't they? Yes. That's Define interesting. that, please. What's the difference between them? Okay, a cryptid is just a creature that we have not properly um, described in taxonomy or in natural history. Uh-huh. So it could be here on the Earth, like Sasquatch. could sure. be a primate. But then the alien is obviously from another planet altogether. Yes, and that's not strange and undefined, is what, it? What do you think about the Mothman? I think Mothman's pretty cool. Mothman has got all the sort of, there's all these different manifestations of Mothman. And so that's one of these things that appears to be different things all the time. Mothman also, doesn't Mothman also smell weird when it appears? I don't know. It smells like like sulfur and stuff like that. Yeah. Possibly. So does does Bigfoot. It smells weird when it appears. And he has red eyes, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shows up in my hometown of Chicago pretty regularly, the Mothman. Yeah, but it does seem like it's some fucking thing from outer space. Yeah, maybe an alien. Yeah, no, it it seems like it it could be. Which monsters would some of Giamatti's characters be afraid of? Oh, good. Jesus. (laughs) Uh, God almighty. that's That's a tricky one. What's the fucking guy doesn't drink Merlot and all that stuff? I guess that's what it is. Uh, oh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, oh, God. My characters aren't afraid of anything, man. They're not afraid of anything. They're afraid of the demon within. That's what it's, actually, that is. They're afraid of themselves. Yeah. That's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of themselves. Actually, that's something you're really good at, I have to say. <laughs> What's yeah, that? No, there's just Being one afraid thing of myself? you're really good at. Uh, yeah, but in your characters, you're really good at showing... Like self doubt, like in your eyes somehow. Like seriously, <laughs> that's like, not it's... acting. Dude. Okay. That's just me. <laughs> that is not acting. That is me eaten up with self doubt. <laughs> Except when I jam on the theremin, baby. <laughs> then I'm home free. Well, I think we're about to yeah. end this thing yeah, just yeah, in time. That's perfect Look at that, timing, man. We really—that's unbelievable. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Yeah, thank you very much.